You are listening to the Source Connection Podcast, an ongoing invitation to remember your true infinite nature and embody your unique human expression. By holding space for the kind of conversations that uplift, inform, and unite us, we are here to amplify the field of possibilities and explore the keys to creating the new. Hosted by Liz B. and Tara Long. For more, check out thesourceconnection.us, Spotify, Odyssey, and YouTube. Hello, welcome, dear ones. Uh, we're happy to be here with you today. We're going to start, I'm going to start a little bit different today. Normally we do sort of a meditation or tuning in together, closing our eyes. But today we're going to keep our eyes open and we're going to do a little bit of tapping, a little bit of acupressure, some self-love. So just if you're not watching this, if you're listening, I'll try to explain as best I can. So let's start just by tapping on the top of your head. And this is going to bring all the energy up. It helps to focus. You know that soft spot that you had when you were a baby? This is that spot. And this is um, a point called do 20 in acupuncture. And just brings all the energy up. And it helps you to focus. I remember in acupuncture school, we would, <laughs> for tests and stuff, we'd like all needle each other. <laughs> do 20 to take the test. <laughs> we're so silly. And then, of course, you can't leave it in too long because then it'll drain drain your energy back down. So, And now just tap all over your head, just, just giving yourself a little, not too hard, not too soft, just waking yourself up a little bit. Oh, and now on your face, a little light tapping, that point between your eyebrows, that third eye and tongue point. Just giving yourself some love bringing the energy, all those little blood vessels waking up. And now you can do a little self-massage on the face. If you want, so you can rub your, rub your um, eyebrows if you want. Rub your face, the points uh, next to your eyes, your temples. You can rub your temples. And this is a great point if you like have a headache. You see people doing this naturally anyway. And just all the muscles of your face, your cheeks, your jaw, just giving yourself a nice little face massage here. Just really feeling that tenderness and that care for yourself in doing this. It doesn't take much, you know, a little goes a long way. And then you can Move down to the neck if you want, the sides of the neck, the back of the neck, just giving yourself a little massage, your shoulders. Tapping your chest if you want. Mm, Just feeling that sweetness for yourself. Oh, and then if you have access to your feet, or if you don't, maybe your legs, just giving yourself a little foot massage. So just getting those sweet little feet up or out. Yeah. And just giving yourself a little, a nice little foot massage. See, we can do this for ourselves. 
And it feels so good just to spend a couple of minutes just really taking care of yourself. You know, you're taking care of yourself. You're loving yourself. You can just say thank you, body, if you'd like, for all that you do for me. Thank you, body. All it does for you. And we just, all, all we have to do is breathe. And then it's doing all these beautiful things for us. And that's a miracle, my friends. That is a miracle. All right. So anything else you want to massage or bring attention to on your body, you can do that now. Any other, or you can just place your hand somewhere that you need a little extra love and care. Ah, <sighs> okay. Thank you, body. Thank you, bodies. Mm. Thank you, everyone, for doing that together. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Sweetness. Felt good to massage the body yesterday. <laughs> so my cats got into a brawl here, but like. <gasps> Your cats? Like into like a real, they do it time, but it was like intense where I had to get the pillow out and I'm like, hey, hey. <laughs> we sorted them out. One had a nail in its neck, right? Like, and it's a second time, like a dagger. <laughs> so second, oh, and so I got the little one. I'm like, I need to cut your nails because he would not let me cut his nails. And I got into the bathroom with him. And of course he's squirming, right? So I get into the shower, the, the bathtub, I shut the door and he's just not having it. I'm all scratched, my tummy, my <gasps> leg, arms, everything. It's like, I went to war or something. It's all like, oh God, hats. I, <laughs> this is why, this is why my body's allergic to cats. <laughs> And I got out and I was just like, oh, my nipple. And I was just like, oh, my God. <gasps> and I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I felt like, oh, like, uh, <laughs> like I was in the thing with them almost. And um, we've made amends. God. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, there, I am cutting your nails. I don't care if you want this or not. Like, I'm not because I've always let it. You know, just like, oh, whatever, whatever. And then finding that dagger the second time, I was just like, no. So the nail was stuck in the other cat's neck. Like, oh, damn, that is brutal. God, yep. they're brutal. <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, no excuse. Because the older one would let me cut it. It was it used to be the opposite. The little one would let me cut it. The older one was like, no. And then it reversed. So the older one, I'm always trimming his nails, right? Or every so often. And so I'm like, that's a really unfair advantage. Like. Right. Yeah. I was just like, no. So after this, I was like, no. And man, we oh. were like, yeah, we battled in that, in that oh. bath yesterday. Bless <laughs> your heart, girl. Oh man. Did you get, did you give him the silent treatment for the rest of the day? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, like I said, then we came out of the, the, the bath subspace and, you know, we stayed in the bathroom for a while and I was just like, we're going to calm ourselves down. That was a lot of adrenaline for all of us. So let's just take a few breaths here. So I started to open the door kind of so he could, you know, smell out. I thought the other one would come, but the other one was distracted getting ready to eat food. And so 
it was right at dinner time. So I, when I finally opened the door, he went, he ate, and then he immediately came to make amends, like laid on me. And I was like, all right, we're healing together. But oh. yeah, some of it, I was just like, Ugh. and then I had to shower. I was just like, oh God, this is going to sting. Oh, I bet it did. Mm. It's right here. He's laying right here next to me. Um, Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right I apologize too I shouldn't have held you against your will but it was just one of those moments where I totally just lost it and I was just like no I need to get this done right now like I needed that adrenaline to be able to like to cut you know. those nails yeah yeah Woo, girl yeah war <laughs> you're at war with your <laughs> oh, a moment of war <laughs> Which is what we were gonna gonna explore today a little bit, wasn't it? When we were talking earlier about, um, I was telling Liz that I spent a good four days um, in a deep, deep purification process with my body, just feeling I'm still a little bit loopy um, in my head, (laughs) but um, yeah. So I watched. the Hunger Games movies and just was kind of drawing some parallels, of course, you know, to our, to these times, but how, how it's so over and obvious and, you know, saying, yeah, that's probably why, you know, we're conditioned by these types of movies to see um, that that's what it looks like, Mm -hmm. right. When you're, when you're, you know, going to war or fighting or whatever. It's this very violent sort of um, just over an obvious situation where here's the bad guy and like, here's the people that are the good people and the bad, you know, all of these types of things, which there's definitely morsels of truth in all of these things too. But um, you know how today we're, we're not in that kind of war. That's not what's going on. Mm. And yet we are at war. Yeah. So a silent war or silent wars, uh, it's almost like we've been born into them too. Like some of them have been going on for so long that it's, I mean, unless. We don't know that it is, that's what it is, or that it's not serving us, you know, that's just the way it is, right? Or that's the conditioning. Exactly. And because it's so dramatized that um, when we look around, we may not be able to recognize any signs or some people may not be able to recognize any signs. And the best line is, if it were true, it would be on TV. (laughs) (laughs) They'd tell us about it. If it were real, then everybody would know. And it would be like being shouted from the rooftops, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one yeah. of the biggest ones that we've been born into is the war against life by the pharmaceutical industrial complex. Yeah. Like, kind of born into a system that was already existing in a certain way that it's, when you really look into it and you take your blinders out and you go with curiosity to look at the model, to look at the systems to look at it, you start noticing it's so distorted and it's so anti-life. 
right? Antibiotic. It's like everything about it, it's, and this is, again, my opinion, um, misconceptualized. So it's one thing that's based on another thing that's based on another thing that's based on another thing. And these assumptions don't get questioned. And so systems just keep being built on top of this foundations and the foundations don't normally tend to be um, questioned. And mm-hmm. one of the great things about the COVID experience, it's how yeah. a lot of people started to just look into things and go, wait a minute, what? Yeah. Why are we saying this? So it's like, <laughs> I'm trying to, maybe there'll be a, a segue to what I want to say because it doesn't fit right now, but it's looking at something or let's say you're given a meal and you're told it's a healthy meal and you just eat it without looking at it and going, what is healthy about this? What are the ingredients here? Why am I supposed to eat this? Right? There's no, for a lot of people, there's no self in that relation. Like there's no element of self that gets introduced in the equation. It's just kind of like a top down, just do what you're told. I know this better. And um, if you look at the whole model, when you go into that system, somebody is wearing a white coat, um, right? So it distinguishes them from you. A lot of the time, the language is kept a little bit more complicated. They use the Latin word. So it immediately makes you feel like you don't know much. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the biggest wars we've been fighting for a long time without even realizing in We've been going into the arena, not knowing that you are going into the old <laughs> yeah. with, you know, the yeah. Greek, um, when you look at those Greek um, depictions and the movies and stuff where you're just going to fight and you don't even know you're going to be thrown in there and the, the lions and the tigers are ready. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Yeah. It's the war against our bodies, really, isn't it? From the time that we're born it's um we have to suppress it we have to get rid of it we have to go it's going against us so we have to do something to combat that so that our body does what it what we want it to do you know so i think we are born just i mean and you're born and then within 12 hours what you're given some shots right you know you're given a vitamin k you're given a hepatitis b you know like all these things it's like you're, you're not, you're not good enough. You're not, we have to, oh, well, something might go wrong. We gotta, you know, we gotta, we gotta start the war now. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, this weekend and I think it's always, I know we talk about it here a lot, but I think we cannot, we can't not, we can't be reminded too many times of this, you know, that our body is, um, doing everything for us. So I spent a lot of time this weekend just thanking my body, being in gratitude, doing a little self massage, like we just did just sitting and just being with it and not really knowing or understanding what might be going on and the purification and the upgrading that's happening, not with my mind being able to go, what exactly is going on? And all of these things, but just knowing, just having that trust and knowing that it's for me and that it's, 
perfect in that I don't need to be at war. I don't need to go run out and get a bunch of supplements to, to help my body. I mean, sure, I can take things to support it. And I did and I have, but it used to even be, you know, I mean, even for natural health, uh, in the in that you know arena, I would be like, okay, what Chinese herbs do I need? What what you know? Whenever I would start feeling a little something, and so it's even that you're saying, oh, my body doesn't have this. I need to. I need to again. I need to be at war with it and make it stop doing what it's doing. You know. So what if instead you trusted that it was doing the right thing? And of course, there are times we all need support, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I'm not saying not to not to do that when it feels like the right thing, but just that automatic default mode. Ooh, let's get the oregano oil out, and the, you know, and all the things that you have on your list of, you know, even natural things. And what could be different in that experience? What if you just rested and just yeah. let it be? And what if you supported your body before things? got to that point because a lot of times what I notice is it's easy to have all kinds of excuse to, Oh, I just eat this cause it's easier. And I put all this stuff in my body, like the quality of the food. Like if you really go down a supermarket and you just look, first of all, everything that's packaged, you have to read, read what you're putting in your body. 90% of processed sugar, like as a second ingredient, like the cereals that kids are having first thing in the morning, it's like sugar, water, purple. Right. And, um, yeah. um, oh my God, I could go on such a rant about oh, this. So, yeah. I know. Knowing what to eat, what to feed your body and not only your physical body, but your emotional body, what you choose to tune into, what you choose to listen, what you choose to inform yourself with your mental body what are you reading what are you looking at what are you giving your energy to and inviting into your experience all of those things are creating the experience that you're having and what i notice a lot of times it's that desperation when a fever kicks in oh my god oh my god what am i going to do and you know when yeah because i've got this and this and this to do in the next few days and i can't you know yeah yeah but if we looked at the, the the symptoms as messengers telling us, all right, let's slow down. Remember that conversation that you had? Yeah, that created a little bit of a conflict, right? So now we need time to process okay. and because the body went into override with a biological program to create a safe space to process that conversation. And that can be applied to trauma. That can even be applied to the toxicity that's being you know, given to the physical body, mental, emotional, all of that. And um, unlearning those old ways of looking at symptoms as a threat, but as signs, as the love that our bodies have for us in, in trying to get us in tune and in um, relationship with. Mm -hmm. so it's a whole nother process of being yeah. one also that liberates and inspires yeah. because when your body goes through that oh as you were saying like you had the opportunity to just slow down take a step back let the body kind of take charge and show you what it needs do you need up level your intake of water do you need a bath do you need you know to do a detoxing process in whatever way besides what's already happening in the body how do i support the body through that do i need anything extra because people tend to just overload by taking a bunch of stuff yeah yeah 
sometimes the body just needs to let it out, right? And so it's such a different way of experiencing the body, experiencing its processes. And, and I know this for a fact because so many people come to me, so many of my friends, when something's happening with them or their kids, right? And I just have to remind them. Like, hey, just take a deeper breath. The fever is not necessarily something that's bad in the body. It's just showing you that there's a process happening. Is there something that you need to do? Or is it just something that you need to just take a step back, watch, rest? Some, so it's a rewiring of a conditioning, right? Especially if you're raised by parents who were really quick to think that something was wrong and needed fixing. Not all of us experienced that, but most of us did. And so noticing that within yourself, like what are the stories that come up the minute I feel an ache, the minute I feel like my body is whew, needing a little bit more rest or it's not operating at the, the highest optimal capacity. And to be honest, I don't think most humans have experienced what their optimal stage of health is. Right. So there's yeah, no not in this it, lifetime. You know, that's so, where we're heading. I believe. I really do believe that's the invitation and the opportunity now is to experience that, which is why sometimes we are going through these, you know, purification of processes, these upgrading of the body. And so, like Liz said, oftentimes there's something that, oh, what do I need? What can I do? What what might be integrating now, you know, in me? Um and these are all questions we can always ask ourselves, even when we're not feeling unwell. <laughs> However, sometimes we don't know. Sometimes there, it's just we're like, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I just like last week, I was, I was actually feeling so good. Um, I've had been having so many like downloads and excitements, and oh my gosh, and creation, and blah blah blah, blah, blah and then bam, you know. <laughs> so it's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> But it was, you know, for me also in feeling like, okay, my body is catching up with all of that, maybe in a way, or there's, you know, some nervous system situation going on here that it's try it's, it's working to up level for that. So, and sometimes you just have no idea. And sometimes you just listen to the body moment by moment by moment, and you're just resting and you're just letting it be and knowing that this too shall pass, whatever it is. So holding that dear to you holding that like you're not going to be you're not going to be on the couch forever you know sometimes I, I'm like oh I'm gonna be what's happening why am I going to be here for the rest of my life <laughs> in one moment of being really sick right or feeling really really bad you you can get that feeling you know and um, especially these days with the talk of all the you know long beep beep <laughs> You know, I mean, just in general, it can be a, it can be a real fear, you know. So just knowing, no, everything changes. This will change too. Your mm -hmm. body's got this. You have got this. Your body has got this. That even if you don't know what to do, just rest. Just, just, just be. You know, you'll know what you know when you need to know it. And that's deep trust, and also surrendering and an attachment because we tend to want to hold on right to the excitement like you were saying like whoa, whoa wait a minute what happened everything was great yeah right you yeah. want to those moments yeah. feels like so good yeah opening and just like the the doors just mansion oh. yeah mm -hmm. 
So um, I think that a lot of that contracting that we experience is to know those states at a higher experience, meaning at deeper, at a richer expression, because they do come. And also, if you're one like we are, knowing that the only way out is through, also the depths of when you don't feel so good, right? There is richness in that soil. There are insights and understanding and, yeah. and humility that comes with that, those moments that you just, whoa, yeah. it holds you in such a way. And we, most of the time, don't know when that's going to be of service to ourselves or others. So we just have to trust um, that whatever's taking place is just perfectly designed to take place. And I'm going to throw a wrench in the gear here that sometimes the resolution is death. Yeah. Right? Whatever of death, because even that word, I'm reconceptualizing that word because I don't believe that we die, right? But we created this world word around the 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 leaving of the meat suit, right? That mm-hmm, we call mm-hmm. death. Yeah. But what it is, and sometimes the resolution is the leaving of the meat suit of just like, ah, all right. That's the healing. That's the healing. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe also some traumas or some deep wounding don't need to be resolved when you think they need to be resolved because that could be the end of this experience. The resolution of that could be the ah, finally like take that mm. suit. Yeah. You know. And we see this now, it seems, in, you know, not, not being here for that, like, like the death, the, the leaving of the meat suit happens, you know, because the, the person sometimes is just done. And there's maybe there's something else to do elsewhere than on this physical plane, you know, and or maybe they're not willing or capable or you know, to do that work, to have a healing and and stay here, you know, maybe it's just not, it's just not their journey because, you know, and I think about one of my best friends who passed many years ago now, and we taught, she knew the, the sort of emotional, spiritual roots of what was going on for her, but it was, it was too much for Mm. her to take on in this life. And to actually really look at it and to feel like she could go through it and heal it. It was too much for her. So she knew it. But in the end, her healing was to, you know, move on from the body. Um, because it just wasn't meant to happen. In that and way. So. I believe the healing will continue whatever. Yes. Fear that you, maybe there's more space for that in that other. Yeah, exactly. The- Knowing that and just trusting that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So much mm. to talk about. In yes. regards and just, I can go into sharing my own experience of my mom's transitioning and when it became too much for her and the signs were compounding right of uh, I don't think this is working I, don't, I can't eat anymore it's hard for me to drink <laughs> you know and we had a conversation me and my siblings with a um what was she exactly I don't remember what kind of specialty she had but 
Okay, so I remember she was a gastroenterologist because there was a conversation at some point of giving her a feeding tube. And I was the first one to say, why are we doing this? Why are we putting a feeding tube if her system is not wanting to process food the natural way anymore? And the gastroenterologist said, that's a conversation that you guys have to have amongst yourselves because a lot of societies like conditioning is to meet around food is to celebrate around food is together and there's always food and so she would be missing that part right when she is with but and there was the conversation of like well it's not like she's doing a lot of that anyways because it's harder and harder for her to live a normal life. And my mom was diagnosed with a degenerative um, neurological condition called PSP, parasupernuclear paralysis. And looking back now, and at that time, you know, everybody would look at me and go, why is this happening so fast? And I understand now that the conditioning the, the, well, the condition, the diagnosis, right, first of all, can be a shock and a trauma in and on itself because we've been so conditioned to think, oh, my God, something's wrong. When I look back now, I realize that what was happening, like what had been happening up to the diagnose was healing taking place, was a loosening was something that was just like, oh, finally I have some room to stretch and I, I can't disconnect a little bit. I don't have to be so on guard about how to do things or how to say things, right? And um, and then immediately it's drug after dr- drug and then one drug causes another symptom and then has yeah. to be created, I'm air quoting here, with another drug. And so, you know, the compounding effect on that and I think her soul was just like, enough. This is not why I came here. But she also, with her life, showed us everything she was talking about for her whole life. You know, um, in a business model, (laughs) you can have cure for your customers because otherwise they don't come back. So um, she, she, you know, lived through that, she avoided her whole life and the end of their life, her life. She said, let me show you what I've been talking about this whole time. Um, and there's a lot of guilt and shame that comes, came for me personally as, you know, the caretaker to, even though I knew a lot of the stuff, I knew a lot of the ins and out of that system to also feel like, oh my God, I'm at the mercy of that. And that's the only thing that can help in this moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And feel the despair to the point where recently I was cleaning out pictures and putting it on external hard drives and all that. And I couldn't look at her videos. It was too much for me, the guilt and the shame that I felt, you know, and so having to sit with that shame and cry that shame and feel that shame, forgive myself, forgive her for her choices, forgive us for choosing together, right? That experience and just allowing that experience to be the lesson that it has been. It's you mean the the of going along with all the Western medicine stuff? Is that what you mean? Okay, just to clarify for people. Exactly. You know, to following that and 
I mean, I have so many little nuggets of that experience that have led me to a deeper understanding of my own self, of how I want to live my own life and how, you know, unless, <laughs> I'm going to be real extreme here, but unless you got into an awful wreck, right? And they can save your life right away. And then the lines get blurred right after, because what is it that we're doing here? What are we trying to save? It's almost like you can't fail life, but the collective agreement is that we all shed the meat suit at some point. So there's never a failing, right? There's nothing wrong in that way. There's different times for people to experience that. And so, um, yeah, like really choosing wisely to what systems you look for support in, what systems reflect your highest understanding of your being, of someone else's being, right? What system is the most aligned for how you see life and its processes? That has been the biggest lesson to the point where recently, and I know we may have talked about it here, you know, body issues, and I don't go to that system at all. I don't want to get an ultrasound. I don't want to get a scan. I don't want to get an x-ray. There's nothing here for me right now. Nothing. No mark the system. No, um, um, parts or whatever that's going to reflect anything that aligns for how I see life, how I see the body, how I see a greater process taking place. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing, Liz. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've talked about this here in many different ways before. And yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page through my own experiences. You know, that, that, that system, you know, of course, Liz and I aren't telling anybody how to do anything, but you have to make your own choices and what is aligned for you. And um, yeah, I, I, there's nothing there for me either. <laughs> and when I have put faith or trust or, or just to, tried to find answers through that system, you know, since I was 15 years old, um, not for a while, but it's, it's every single time, unless again, there's an emergency situation, right? Um, like Liz was saying, a car accident, every single time it has been harmful to me. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that just blatantly, just blanketly, like I'm generalizing. I'm not general. I'm talking about every single time that I sought that system for help harmed me that's just, that's my personal experience that's exactly know? personal experience and i'll go into another fun story for the folks <laughs> um when i was 18 18 19 um i noticed there was a lump on my left breast mm. and i don't know if it was through one of those routine oh let's check because i was not checking myself necessarily right so it's not yeah. like i Thing or, um, oh, well, there's a lump, we need to do a biopsy. And so they um, did the biopsy and <laughs> it came back like, oh, it's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Day, right? I'm in my 40s. I have issues with my left breast. Every time I'm ovulating, when mm-hmm. I was breastfeeding, um, I know exactly, and there's scar tissue right there. And so it's this motto of cut, poison, and burn that is just not aligned for me anymore at all, at all. 
So I have others that I could go into. I won't, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. you know, that's just one a little bit more severe one where the body got mutilated and open and, and done something to that all this time has never been the same anymore. Yeah. Oh, I have many stories like that. <laughs> many stories. And, and the ones that, that are the most, yeah, disturbing or troubling is, um, for me personally is the, you know, all the like women issues I say in quotes here, but anything to do right with, um, with any of that, it feels, it's so, it's such a vulnerable for a woman. It's such a vulnerable thing. You know, I remember at one point being in this teaching hospital, I think I was in, living in Austin, Texas at the time. And, um, I had had some dysplasia, you know, on my cervix, I'm getting real personal here guys, but you know, it's, it's our bodies. We all have every other person has a cervix. Um, and so I had, had, um, I was, I was like 22 and my doctor was like, okay, we're going to do some cryosurgery, which is when you go in and you freeze it, um, the, the dysplasia, which dysplasia basically means that they think, oh, this could be cancer someday. Right. Um, And so anyway, I had that. And at one point I was up, I was in this teaching hospital and I was, I went in and this really good looking young doctor comes in, you know, to do my exam. And I was just, oh man, as a young woman, it was just so, oh, I was so uncomfortable. I felt so uncomfortable. And then he proceeded to lift me up on the, you know, like, oh, let me, I need to get a better look. So he, the little table. And then he's like, you know what? I, I need some more opinions. Do you, I'm going to get some other doctors in here. And he brought in like three or four other doctors all looking at my vagina and I'm like 22. And I was just in tears because it was so invasive and so, oh my gosh, I don't even have the words. I mean, even that is trauma on a woman, you know, and to think, oh, it's just a body part. We're just going to come in here and just dig around and, you know, and of course, I've had issues from that, you know, that cryosurgery. And, you know, I mean, again, I could go on many, many instances, but just that alone, and just think about that. Think about your um, yourself or your sister or your mother or your friend just being in that situation. And it's, whew, it's intense as a yeah. young person. I have tears because it makes me think of a situation that I went through. And I won't go into the details of that, but. It also led me to when I was helping take care of my dad, and my dad was also, um, <laughs> I feel like I need to censor myself because otherwise I use really strong words. But you can use strong words here. I mean, unless they're the no no words, then we can just say something that rhymes with it. I'll say, I'll put it this way. My dad also chose his ending by the hands of the pharmaceutical industrial complex. And I take him to get radiation. So he had throat cancer. I'm air quoting here, guys. Um, And he was the perfect example of psychosomatic stuff because every time he would get mad, he would not talk, right? Mm, When he was diagnosed, everybody was like, was he a drinker? Was he a smoker? Well, no, no, no. Oh my God. How did that happen? Uh, clueless. Uh, how did that happen? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. um, he chose that. And 
I remember I had to go down this path. We would get in the hospital and we would have to go down because the, the radiation room was down in the, the kind of like the sub-level. And I'd get in there and, you know, would get there maybe five, ten minutes before his session. And we would get, get signing in and then we would, he would say, let's just walk out. And then by the time they call him, he would go in and, you know, they would say, well, you may want to wait outside or upstairs or whatever. And I, I remember thinking like, wow, like he's going in there to get like fried, literally fried, right? While I wait outside, I, I don't even want to be in that room in that space. Those people working in there. And after a while, he would have all these burns and sores in his throat, around his throat, like, because he had a trachea yeah. done. So he would wear like a little, little cover for it. He refused to wear that little vo voice box. He just refused. He was like, I'm not doing that. So we would have to read his lips. I got really good at reading lips because of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> And um, I just remember, like, sometimes he, he, my dad never really complained much about anything. And every now and again, he really liked when I massaged him. We had a massage chair and I would massage him. And he would say, like, oh, really feeling that radiation today. Like, he wouldn't say, like, oh, I'm feeling this or whatever, right? And I'd say, can I look? And he would say, yeah. So I'd lift it up and I'd see all these sores and all this like. All this, it was just so awful to see. And um, just having to be in that space where you have to respect someone else's choice. Yeah. Right? And. And to just allow for their experience and be like, okay, that's what they're choosing. Because he was like this. If the doctor told him you have to jump out the window from the 10th floor, he would totally go, okay, that's what I need to, that's what I'm doing. Right? It was like odds to my dad. They were like, yeah. they could go wrong. Yeah. And, um, and just having to allow for all of that to see. And in one ear, he was done. You know, I mean, the minute he got, again, diagnosed and, quote, treated, it was, it was the end of his life, you know? And um, so I have my own convictions. I have my own way of um, experiencing life. And as Tara said, this is not to say your experience of life is wrong. It's different. And I do invite all of you to look at all of your systems, all of the systems around you, all of the systems that you experience, all of the constructs of those systems and, and get curious about them and just start asking really important questions. And, um, and one of the most important ones is who benefits from this? Who benefits if I do this or if I choose this? What are the consequences? What are the pros and cons? I realized that throughout my life, I've been never given informed consent about anything, any procedure, any medication. I don't even like to call them medication, any pill, 
And it's whatever it is, I've been never given informed consent. True informed consent where somebody will come and say, first of all, this is an option, right? For the most part, they'll come and say, this is what you have to do. So first of all, this is an option. These are the pros. These are the cons. Would you like to do it? This is true informed consent. And maybe someone listening has gotten that in their lives. I have never been given true informed consent. And throughout my life, up to the point where I was relying on that, I wasn't um, where in the headspace and heart space that I am right now that I could even ask for that. Yeah. Right. And I saw that happen with my mom, with my dad, and just how it just continues. And the one time I raised a certain question to my mom's cardiologist, I said, well, I was looking at the insert and it says that this medication, one of the medications she's taken, whatever the one was, um, can cause high cholesterol. And now I noticed that she's on a high cholesterol medication. And she said, why are you reading the inserts? I said, why wouldn't I read the inserts? (laughs) And she goes, because you're going to get things in your head and you're just like your mom. And I was just, I was shocked. I was like, what? Whoa. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. Yes. We, I don't, let me say we have to, but there is an invitation to really, really ask, really, really ask, you know, the questions. And is it, you know, um, another, you know, I use the word, I'm going to use the word cult, (laughs) but that system, you know, and what is the, I mean, I'm not going to read out a definition of a cult, but everybody believing in the same thing. And if you question it, you're basically, you know, humiliated, ostracized, kicked out, you know, looked at like you're freaking nuts, like all these things. And if we look at that system, Western medicine system, you know, pharmaceutical, all of that, we, we see that that's also the case. Like you're talking about most people see doctors as gods, absolutely untouchable, can do no wrong. Why? Because they think doctors, not only do they know everything, but they have a heart of gold, right? <laughs> they went into this because they want to help everybody. Yeah. It has nothing to do with them and their own God complex. No, <laughs> that's just a side note. Not all doctors are like that. I really, they're not really, there are some good ones. There really, really are. And there are some doctors who went through that system who are now seeing, who now see the light and who are open to other things and all of this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, ask yourself, what is the cost to what is the cost? Yes, who's benefiting? And also what is the cost to me in my life if I do this, whether it's through medicine, quote unquote medicine, or something else? What is the cost? What am I what am I paying? What am I giving away? Mm. What am I giving away of of myself possibly? And maybe you don't even know at the time. And we're not conditioned to know that. When I was on that table with all these doctors looking at my vagina, you know, like, like I'm a, like, I'm just a thing on the table, not like, hi, excuse me. Hi, Tara. Oh, hi. How are you? You know, nobody even said hi to me. It was just like, oh, we're going to come in and we're going to do this. And, you know, I didn't know at the time that that was anything I should even think twice about, you know, and even telling you the story today, I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't believe that happens, you know, that we just don't even think about it or so. Yeah, so this is this is the invitation is to ask the questions and all your systems and structures and all the things that you do. Again, no wrong, no right. We're all collectively agreed to not be in these meat suits anyway someday. So yeah. <laughs> right. And and ask yourself, 
what's in it for me? Is it a reinforcing of a conditioning of depending on something else to do it for you? Right? Because a lot of us are conditioning for that. Like, I'll just take this thing and it'll fix it. I don't want to have to eat anything. I, I don't, I don't want to have to take responsibility. Right? Because when yeah. we acknowledge that something else may not be for us, then it's like, oh, now I have to do the work of finding, of understanding, of educating myself, whatever that is. Um, when you're talking, if I had this thought about this former doctor, Jennifer Daniels, and I was listening to an interview, this is a long time ago, where she said that she was, she had her practice. I don't remember what um, specialty she was specialized in. And she had charts, right? And she, right in the beginning of her practice, she started charting everything. So when the patient would come in, the medicine, the see, I say medicines are conditioning, the, the things yeah. that they were, pills, the pharmaceuticals. And she said that after a few years, she looked and she said, I only, thankfully, I only had, I think she said one or two people died during that time. But she said the healthiest people were the ones that never followed her advice. When she would say, you need to see a specialist so we can get, and the person would skip it and then come back like a year later, like, oh, did you see? <laughs> and she said that she, something clicked for her. And she was like, wait a minute, this is not what I'm seeing. Like the reflection I'm seeing, it's not what I've been told, Right. So then that was her wake-up call to start investigating um, the system and everything, you know. Mm. Yeah. That's so, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And make no mistake, of course, again, there's a reason for everything. Um, and your all of your choices up until now, and there's no like, oh, you did something wrong or whatever. But if you are taking a pill or having a surgery or any sort of burn cut, whatever Liz said earlier. That is, that is a suppression and it is a, um, it will, it, it can stave off whatever it is for a period of time, but make no mistake, your body will not let you suppress that forever. <laughs> it will not. I have yes. personal experience. I've seen it and had the thousands of people I saw as an acupuncturist all coming to me because, you know, Western medicine, you know, didn't work for whatever they wanted. Um, that is, yeah, I can say that with the experience that I have, that it, it's coming for you. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like, you know what I mean? The message is trying to get to you. You cut, you have cancer somewhere, you cut it out. It's coming back somewhere else unless you got it the first time. Yes. And that's and okay. Cancer? P.S. The cancer is a biological program designed mm -hmm. by body to help you move through whatever conflict or toxicity, whatever the thing is that was created. Um, I just want to do a note before we end. Um, there's a documentary called Cut, Poison, Burn or Burn, Cut, Poison. Okay. Got that. It's a brilliant documentary. Um, highly recommend everyone watching and starting to really understand that more than anything... <sighs> It's a business model. Yeah. You know, and maybe at some point in the conception, it was created to help people, but we've sure. moved a long, a long ways from that. Yeah. So get smart, kids. Do your research. Take responsibility for yourself. 
invitation is ask good questions. Start mm-hmm. by asking yourself, why am I looking into this? What's in it for me? What is my body trying to tell me? What are my values? Even to begin with, what do I value, right? What do I want from life? What is the expression of myself and life that I want to experience? Start there and see the path that that opens and what comes in that path to guide you. Mm. You need to know everything right now. You may feel like that's overwhelming to think, oh my God, I've lived my whole life following orders or doing this or doing that. How do I even begin? Begin with the decision. Begin with the decision with of your own alignment. Yeah. And curiosity. And what am I doing this? What am I, what do I, what, what do I want to live for? What do I even want to live for and be healthy for and be well for? Why? What yep. is it for? What kind of, what, in what ways, like Liz said, your values, how are you, how do you want to live? Yeah. Mm. Thanks for listening, everyone. I know this was a intense episode, but we're here for you. We really are. So reach out to us. You can reach us on um, thesourceconnection.us. Connect at thesourceconnection.us is our email. And you can send us a message or comment on any of our channels. We would love to hear how you're doing with all of this and what your journey is. Yeah, Yeah. we are on Instagram, Twitter, Odyssey, YouTube, Spotify, give us a shout. Substack, new on Substack. Substack, follow, like, subscribe. Get the word out. Let's grow together. Bye. Bye.